So John chapter 8, we're just going to read verse 12 together. John chapter 8, verse 12, where again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's our verse. We're going to be looking in depth at that one today and what it means for us. Just before we do, we're going to pray and ask for God to help us with that, and then we're going to jump into it. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, Jesus came and he spoke physically. We thank you for the people who were there to observe that uh, and to write it down. We thank you for the Holy Spirit's power as they did that to write it down accurately and to write down what is important for us to know. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand this statement, uh, that Jesus is the light of the world. We pray that you would help us to digest it and to love it, to understand who Jesus is and to help us understand why he came. Please be with the kids also as they uh, delve into the meaning of the Bible, the Bible as a whole. It's a wonderful topic to understand why it's important and the story it tells. And we pray that you would bless both them and us this morning. Amen. Well, I'll start by asking you guys a question. Um, who's scared of the dark? You can be honest. Be honest. I've got my hand up. I'm, if I'm honest, <laughs> I'm a little bit scared of the dark still. Um, not, maybe not in the same way as I was as a kid. Uh, as a kid, I watched uh, Scooby-Doo one day. And I, was, I must have been really young because there was this one monster guy that was in there. And he, he lived in my heart and my mind for, for many, many years, this little red-faced monster. And he was always a thing I was worried about when I went out in the dark. Uh, even as old as 15, uh, we used to live way out in the country when I was 15 uh, in a place called Durangamite. Uh, it's really in the middle of nowhere. And I remember uh, in the middle of the night, quite a dark night, having to walk up this country road to a house. I can't remember why I was dropped off. Uh, down at the highway, but I had to walk about uh, eight, 850 metres. Yeah, it was uh, 850 metres up to our house in the dark through on a gravel road with paddocks on either side uh, and just a little bit of wind through the trees. And it was scary because darkness is scary. You don't know what's out there. You don't know what's around you. And if you're walking on a, a, light that's cloud, a night that's cloudy and doesn't have the moon, it's really dark. And as I was walking along... Um, with nothing but my imagination next to me, I heard a couple of footsteps. I seriously heard a couple of footsteps just about 10 metres to my left. And it's scary. It was really scary. And I sort of stopped and I'm listening because the gravel's crunching under your feet and you want to make sure you've heard it. And I waited a couple of minutes and just as I was about to step again, the footsteps happened again and they were real footsteps. They really were. And then I heard really heavy breathing. I'm talking really, really heavy breathing. And I'm so scared at this point. And I'm just in fear of my life. I don't know what's out there. It was because there's nothing supposed to be out there in the middle of the country. And I got so scared until I realized that it was a cow. There was, <laughs> Megan knows. Megan's nogging her head. There was a cow about 10 meters that way who I disturbed. And it just went like this and... Oh. 
<laughs> How bad is that? A little, that's probably what happened with the cow. Cows do that. Very realistic uh, illustrations here this morning. Uh, all the senses going at once. But darkness is scary. You don't know what's out there. You can't see what's around you. Darkness is dangerous too. On a country road, I was on a graded road. I, I kind of had a bit of an idea that there was nothing in front of me. But darkness can be really dangerous. You can trip over something you don't know there. Darkness is scary. It's dangerous. And honestly, if there is something in the way, it can be quite painful. Why am I talking about this? Well, if you look carefully at our passage today, you'll see that Jesus doesn't just say something about who he is. He says something about our situation and how to get out of it. Jesus says that we're walking in darkness. It's actually, it's a metaphor, it's a metaphor for spiritual darkness. And this might sound odd to you if you've never thought about it. You might never have thought about a spiritual realm or the fact that you might be in spiritual darkness. And we'll get to it a little bit more detail later. But Jesus is saying that the world is in a place that's scary and painful and dangerous because it's dark. And we need help getting out alive. We're going to have a look at that this morning. We're going to look at three different things. So the first one, I'm going to answer three questions. Who does Jesus say he is? What does he mean when he says, I'm the light of the world? What is this spiritual darkness that he's talking about? And what does it mean for us? So those are three things. Who's Jesus saying he is? What is the spiritual darkness? And what does it mean for us? So it's not the who, what, and why. It's the who, what, and what. We'll get there. So starting off with who is Jesus saying he is? And to understand this, we have to know the context of what was going on at the time. And it's very Jewish. I'd be surprised if you understood the context at all, if you could really know what he's talking about just by reading this passage. If you read back, though, to uh, the start of chapter 7, you'll see that Jesus is at a feast. He's at a celebration, a Jewish celebration called the Feast of, uh, the feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's the weirdest name ever, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Booths might even be worse. And this feast was uh, a celebration of something that was going on, uh, something that went on many, many years before. It was designed to remind the people of the time about what their forefathers did as they wandered in the wilderness. So they would, the people there in this celebration in Jerusalem, they would come into the city and they would build booths or tabernacles, which are two different names for basically a tent. So you might want to call it these days the Feast of Tents. And they would build a tent because that's what their forefathers did in the desert and the wilderness when they were wandering about. There's some rules about the tents. You know, you've got to have really thin walls so it doesn't block out the light. Uh, you couldn't have a very thick roof because you want to see the stars. You want to be reminded that that's what you lived under when, you were, when your ancestors were wandering around in the desert. That's what they would do. That's what the Feast of Booths is all about. Uh, and it would remind them in particular of a time when they weren't led by a king or a prophet or a priest, but they were led by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. It was a time when God led them out of darkness into the promised land. 
God led them, God himself. And you might remember that this isn't the first time God appeared as fire either. Uh, Who remembers Moses? So just before God led them uh, as a pillar of fire, he appeared to Moses when his people were still in slavery. Moses saw this bush that was burning with a great intensity and light, but the bush wasn't being burned up. And he goes over to investigate what's with this fire. And he stands there and God speaks to him from out of the fire. God's represented by fire and light. And he speaks to him and he says, Moses, go tell my people, I've got a message for them. I want to rescue them. And Moses goes, I don't know these people. I wasn't brought up with them. I wasn't raised. Them. How, am I, how are they going to know that you sent me? And God says, tell them my name. Tell them my name. They'll know you then. They'll know you came from me. And he goes, what's your name? And God says, I am This is what the word Yahweh means. If you've heard the name Yahweh, that's the name of God. And what it means is I am. It's the verb. We have I am, he was, she is. These are the verbs I am, you know, to be, the to be verb. And this is the same word that God is called. This is what uh, God says. God says to Moses, I am who I am. He said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. That's what Yahweh means, I am. So here's Jesus at the celebration, the annual celebration of the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tents. He's in Jerusalem where it's carried out, and it's, it seems like it's probably the last day of the festival. And there's two things that they did on this festival. So the first thing was, there was two major sort of celebrations. Uh, the pouring out of the water. Uh, Jesus has referenced that a couple of chapters ago and he's tried to teach us something about that then. The second uh, big celebration during this feast is called the illumination of the temple. The illumination of the temple. And this is a, again... It's supposed to be an illustration of the pillar of fire that led them out of the desert. So they would get these four torches. You'll notice that in verse 20, it says that Jesus was standing in the treasury of the temple, which is the busiest part of the temple. It's a great big courtyard. uh, And that's where Jesus is standing. And in that treasury, they had four enormous lamps built. When I say enormous, how big is enormous, do you think, kids? How big would an enormous lamp be? As big as a grandfather clock? That would be a big torch, wouldn't it? This, these torches are 20 meters high. So has anybody ever stood at the top diving board of one of those really big diving towers, the one they do all the stunts off? Those are really tall. They're 10 meters tall. These torches are just shy of 20 meters tall. They're enormous. They would get the the young sort of sprightly priests to climb up them. They would carry 65 litres of lamp oil with them. Maybe it was several trips. And they would fill up these lamps and they would light the wicks at night time to represent the pillar of fire. And these torches would burn all night and they'd light up half of Jerusalem, we find out in some of the history books that were written at the time, light up half of Jerusalem. And the people would dance and they'd sing and they'd play music under this light, under the torches, and they'd sing and dance all night. It was an amazing celebration. 
They were celebrating the great God Yahweh who brought them out of slavery into the land of promise. And it's at this moment, at this time, I don't know whether it was at night time or the day after when the, the lamps are still smoldering, but it's at this time when Jesus stands up and he says, I am. I am. The, the words in the Greek are really emphatic. I am the light of the world. It's an incredible statement, an incredible time. Jesus is saying, this celebration of Yahweh who led you out of the desert by a pillar of fire, you're celebrating me. I am. He's, using, he's speaking in Greek, but he's using the same verb, the same name of God about himself at this time. He's declaring himself to be the light, the God that led them out of slavery into the promised land. That's what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world. He's the God who led his people by a fierce burning fire through a terrible time in their history of wandering through the wilderness into the promised land. That's the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light. As you dance and sing and play music, you're celebrating me. I'm what this festival is all about. This brilliant lights, these four brilliant lights, they're pointing to me. He says, come with me. Jesus says, come with me. Follow me like your forefathers did long ago. Come walk in the light of life. Your fathers walked out of a physical land of darkness into the promised land. You can walk out of spiritual darkness into eternal life. I am the light that brings life. That's our first question. Who is Jesus saying he is? He's God there to light the way for his people. That's incredible. Second question, what's this spiritual darkness? So Jesus, just like Jesus being the light of the world is a metaphor, so walking in darkness is a metaphor. And Jesus is saying is that the way we're walking, the way we're living, is overshadowed by darkness. A darkness that troubles our souls in a way that we might not think a lot about. And it's a darkness brought about by sin. We've talked about sin already a little bit this morning. And I actually don't think we should be surprised by the idea of spiritual darkness. Uh, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you've thought about this before or not, I don't think the idea of spiritual darkness is actually that surprising. In fact, in some ways, I think it's kind of observable in this world. Our sin, which is another word for wrongdoings, our, our dark actions, they affect the world deeply, don't they? Our sinfulness affects the world. Our world's got some really messed up stuff in it. People are starving. There's wars going on right now. People are fighting wars right now around the world. There are whole countries oppressed by other countries. And often it's the Western countries doing the oppressing. And it's tempting to think that it's the actions of a few that make the world bad, isn't it? If we didn't have just a few people, if we just got rid of Hitler and the lawyers and the used car salesmen, you know, those types of people, the world would be all right. The problem doesn't come from us. It's just the 1% who, who wreck the world for everybody else. 
but it's not just the big stuff, is it? Because sitting right next to you is selfishness. Right next to you. Families fight and hate each other, don't they, at times? We lie to each other. We lie to each other. There's a saying, uh, have you heard the saying, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely? Have you heard this? It's the idea that you get enough power and it will come inside you and it will corrupt you and turn you bad. Look, it's a nice saying. (laughs) And I'm not saying I've never used it, but I don't think it's right. Personally, I think it's completely wrong. I think we're corrupt. And if we manage to work ourselves into a position of power, then that only gives the our corruptness, room to bear fruit. It gives us the opportunity to exercise our corruption on the world. We begin corrupt. Power is just the opportunity for it to flourish. This world, although there are beautiful and good things in it, has shadows falling across it. And those shadows, that darkness comes from us. And it causes a spiritual problem for us. There are shadows on this world, but there is darkness on our souls. This spiritual realm is real, but unfortunately it's something that most of us are blind to, isn't it? Uh, I thought about... um, I, I never know who's here from week to week, and I thought there might be some people here. It's first time in church. What would they think? Maybe it is your first time in church. What would they think about this idea of spiritual darkness? It's a pretty foreign concept, isn't it? It's pretty hard to believe that this is a real thing, but it is. It's hard to see because the Bible teaches us we're all born spiritually blind. And it takes a miracle of God, the restoration of sight, to be able to perceive it. I told my kids, talked about this about my kids this week. Um, Have you ever thought about a man who was born blind? I'm not talking, you know, a parable of Jesus or anything like this. But think of somebody who was born blind. You could uh, shine the brightest light in all the world right into their eyes and they would not see it, would they? There's no way they could perceive it. It wouldn't matter what colour it was. It wouldn't matter how intense it was. They just simply would not be able to see the light. You could describe the most beautiful beach in all the world that you've ever seen to them with all the passion you can muster and they could see that you're passionate but they would not have no idea what a beach looks like and it would not move them at all. Because they've never seen anything. They don't know what light looks like. You can tell them the blue, the water was the bluest blue you've ever seen and the sand was the whitest sand, but they don't know what it is. You could turn the lights on, every light in a room. And here's the thing. Not only would that man not know that the room was brightly lit, but neither would he know that it was dark beforehand. He would not have a single idea about what either of those concepts means. It's what we read about in John 1, what Faith read to us earlier. The light has come into this world, but the world did not know him. He came to his own people, but they did not receive him. John 6, uh, we read last week. 
says that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws him. It requires a miracle of God. And if you keep reading in John chapter 8, you'll see that the religious people, <laughs> it's, it's amazing, the religious people who are standing right there in front of Jesus, who are physically speaking to the light of the world, who have borne witness to some of his miracles, they don't recognize him, they don't see him. They completely miss their own spiritual darkness and they don't see the light who can lead them out of darkness, which is what Jesus' light does. Light brings escape. Light brings escape from the life of darkness. Who's been caving before? Anyone been to see the caves somewhere? Um, I've been caving probably three or four times, not in the serious way where you get a head torch on and a shovel and a rowboat or something and... You go swimming through, I don't know, not like that. The guided tour type where there's a nice little walkway and you walk along there and there's lights strung up around the place and you get led by someone into the most beautiful sections and see the stalactites and stalagmites and it's beautiful. But if you've been on uh, one of these caving trips before, you might have been to one where they go, right, um, we're going to turn out the lights for a couple of minutes. Have they ever done that to you before in a cave? Uh, as I said before, I'm still slightly scared of the dark. <laughs> and that's a, a really scary moment. And you prepare yourself for it. They don't want to just do it without you knowing. So you're ready for it. And you go, yep, I'm a couple of meters away from the, the walls. Um, I know where everything is. I'm ready for this. And they turn out the lights. And all it takes is about 20 or 30 seconds, I reckon. And for me, like I'm an adult, so I keep it under wraps. But the panic starts setting in a little bit. It's really scary. You start going, oh, how close were those walls? Were there any spiders on them? Are they going to be wet? Like, if it's going to be sticky. Like, how do I even know there's people next to me? I can't see anything. Everybody's silent because everybody's a little bit scared, I think. And the darkness just keeps getting closer and closer and someone <coughs> makes the awkward cough because it's hard. And it's really scary. You start thinking... Like, if she's dead, who's going to turn the lights back on? How are, we, how are we going to get back out of here? What's going to happen? I mean, really, I'm a capable person, but if the lights don't come back on, how am I going to be able to find my way out? It's dark. And when those lights first come back on, you've got a bit of insight into my character now, haven't you? When those lights come back on for the first time, it is the sweetest relief. Because all of a sudden, <laughs> I've gone overboard, have I? All of a sudden, you can see where you are. You can see what's going on. There's a path outwards laid before you. And there's hope again. There's hope again. That's what Jesus is saying. He's the light of the world. When we used to go camping um, years and years ago, the, the brightest torch that you could get was one of those old waterproof dolphin torches. Do you remember them? The torch cost like $4 and the battery cost $40 because it was one of those giant six-volt batteries. So you'd buy the torch and you couldn't afford to put a battery in it. But when uh, our friends had these torches, we didn't. Uh, but when you turned on one of these torches, I used to love the way in the middle of the night, this beam of light would just shoot out and every speck of dust and every drop of moisture for just forever it seemed, would be lit up by the intense brightness of this light and you could see for a hundred metres or more in the middle of the night. 
Jesus is saying, I am the light. I will lead you out of spiritual darkness. I'm here for you. Come, follow me into life. This is Jesus in our passage. That's the spiritual darkness. Our third question is, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us? For Jesus to be the light and for us to be in spiritual darkness. Well, Jesus um, asks us to follow him. Or walk in darkness. And really, uh, it implies a continuation of walking in darkness. You're already in there. Follow me to get out. That's what Jesus says. And he chooses the word follow. There are a lot of words that we use um, when we talk to someone about what it means to be a Christian. Jesus chooses the word follow, and it's a meaningful word. Christianity isn't just isn't merely a religion in the modern sense of the word. It's not just another faith, another belief system. To follow Jesus is significant. It's not just a casual yes of assent to Jesus. Yep, I like Jesus. Tick. Real faith is more than just a prayer of acceptance. Have you done the sinner's prayer thing? Or have you invited someone to do the sinner's prayer? I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do, but it's more than just saying, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I need a saviour. Having a faith, having faith in a light that leads isn't just, please come into my heart. Having Jesus as your Lord and Saviour means that he has more than just a say in your life, but that he rules in your life as sovereign God. If you follow him, you cannot just list him as another characteristic of who you are. You can't just say, hi, I'm Phil, I like pina coladas and walks in the rain, and Jesus. Because it's more than that. Christians are more than that. As Christians, we are primarily and fundamentally followers of Jesus. That's who we are first of all. It's our primary shaping characteristic. He is our Lord and our King. He is our God and our Saviour. Our light who leads us out of darkness. And we're to keep our eyes on Him. So I'm going to ask you some questions. I'll get excited about this stuff, so I'm going to calm down. But I've got some questions. What are you following in your life? What are you following? Because I admit, I I struggle, I really struggle to follow just one light. This is a personal struggle of mine. I feel like there's lots of things in this world that might lead me out of darkness. Not intellectually, but as I go throughout my week, there seems to be lots of things that are going to pick me up out of darkness, out of difficulty, out of struggle, things that give me hope, things that make me feel like life is worthwhile. What light are you chasing after? Um, I've listed some here, and honestly, they come out of my own heart. Many of these things are my own uh, lights here. Do you chase after respect? Is that what lifts you out of darkness? When you get respect, when you get success, uh, when your career advances or your business succeeds, 
Is that what lifts you out of darkness? Is that what you're following after? Is that what you're seeking? Respect and success. Maybe it's relationships or family. And, and when family's going well, when the new girl or boy that you're running after seems to like you and when you know, you've made a new friend and you're getting along really well, life seems good, life seems great and you're working towards that, this goal of, of relationships. Maybe it's just happiness. Happiness is what you seek after. And you structure your week so that you can do the things you love and you try and put more pleasure in your life and you try to avoid the things that are difficult because difficulty feels like darkness and pleasure and success and, and things like that feel like light. These are all good gifts from God, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying these things are evil. It's a good thing to be respected and have success in your life. A healthy career where you can contribute to the world as part of God's creation mandate is a beautiful thing. Family and other relationships are beautiful, blessing from God. But if that's the light that you follow in life, then you follow an idol and you live in darkness or you stay in darkness, you walk in darkness. Why does it matter though? if you follow another light. I mean, if you've got Jesus in your life and you're still generally following after him, why does it matter if you've got other lights? I'll, go, I'll quickly go through a couple of things. Firstly, because they're not really light. They're nice and they're good, but they're not a light that illuminates the darkness and that takes away the fear and the danger and shows you the path ahead. That's the first one. Secondly, because they distract us from the true light. We spend all our time organizing our lives and our weeks around these other lights that we want to follow, and Jesus becomes second, third, fourth, fifth priority in our lives. Thirdly, because these lights will let you down every time. Success is temporary, isn't it? I, I know this as a preacher. Um, if I felt I preached a good sermon, I'm lifted up and the next day, the rest of the week, I feel confident and I can go, yeah, done a good job. I'm good as a person. I'm succeeding. Life is good. And the next week, I'll preach what I feel is just terrible and awful and people come and say, oh, that was great, Phil. <laughs> and I go, eh. And the rest of the week, I'm feeling awful. And Monday morning, and I'm going, oh, how bad was that? My idol of success fails me. It's not a light at all. A career ends. You might even be one of those giants in a career or a business where you never seem to make a mistake and your business grows and grows and grows. But in the end, you'll retire. And it'll end there. And if that's what's been guiding you and lighting your path in life, then you, you're going to be at a complete loss when your career ends. Relationships get broken all too easily, don't they? I love my wife, but we fight. We have disagreements. I love my kids, but I yell at them. They hurt me. 
I'm not saying it's not a good thing. It's just true. Relationships fail you. Jesus is the only spiritual light that can lead us out of darkness into life. He won't let you down. His light won't dim. His leading doesn't end. He's our eternal king. And because he's paid for all of our sins and our mistakes, he won't leave us or forget us. You're not going to be left alone with Jesus. He's not turning the torch off or running away. He's a light that we don't have to perform for. He knows we're in darkness. He's come to us telling us, follow me to get out of it. He knows where you're at. You're not going to surprise him when he finds out that, oh, you've got that idol in your life. Oh, you do that in the darkness. He knows all about it. He came for the sick, not the healthy, he says. He's come as a light to show us where to walk. He leads us towards the eternal blessing of life. He's the same God who faithfully led his people out of the land of slavery and into the beautiful promised land. And now he extends his hand to all of us, saying, come, follow me out of your spiritual darkness into the light of life. Don't forget, follow him. Pray with me. Lord, as we've already explored uh, earlier today, we're a messed up people. We have sin in our lives every day, whether we see it or not. We live, we have a tendency, the whole world has a tendency to live in darkness. And we need something to light the way so desperately. We thank you that Jesus has come proclaiming himself to be God and King, to be the 20 meter high tower of light that will lead us out of darkness into life. And we just want to thank you for him. Lord Jesus, we praise and thank you for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you that you are the eternal light that leads us towards life. And we pray that we would have, that you would give us the strength and the courage and the spiritual vision to see you and to follow you for the rest of our lives. We pray this in, in your name. Amen.